Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 49, I'm your host Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my impressive, high quality, nimble guest co-host Andrew Lindy. Welcome Andrew. Hello, I'm glad to be back. Hey, I'm glad to have you back. Uh, did we go over last time? Uh, well, first of all, let's just uh, refresh our listeners here and tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, yes, so uh, I hosted uh, the Super Mario Brothers Minute, uh, which was all about the 1993 Super Mario Brothers uh, live-action feature film. Uh, we, but when I ran out of minutes on that, uh, I moved right on. Same co-host, we moved on to Dunstan Checks In, uh, the right. 1996 Ape film that we're breaking down minute by minute and pairing with another feature film because Dunstan Checks In sucks. Uh, we're calling that Dunstan <laughs> Checks Min. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it can be fun, uh, but it's not a good movie, unlike the Super Mario Brothers right. movie, which we very much enjoyed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, which I know most people don't. Uh, so <laughs> uh, that might be odd to hear, but it's. You know, Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, they're talented actors. I think they yeah. they they do a lot for the film. Uh, yeah, and Samantha it, Mathis it, and uh, Dennis Hopper, uh, ev- everyone. I, yeah, not not a bad oh, performance. Right. Yeah, I forgot that was Samantha Mathis in that one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, those are my cool. minute they by really minute. Uh, yeah, my minute by minute shows that I do. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if I remember if we went over this, but do you remember the first time you saw Tron? Oh, God. Uh, no, I, I, not specifically. Uh, right. I, I believe it was before Tron Legacy was even announced, but it might have been after it was announced, but definitely before Tron Legacy, because I, I really found my love of uh, everything Tron in Tron Legacy. Right. But, okay. But yeah, I do like the, I like this film. I like, uh, 1984's Tron because it's it's cool. Uh, it's really cool. That's a very cool film for sure. Yeah. Alright, so let's go over what happens uh, in this minute. Uh, these next three minutes are the minutes of the digital power caves or crystal caverns or whatever. It just gets referred to as cave in the script. and I, I, I kind of wish it had a cooler name hmm. than just um, than just cave. But And this is a Pretty exposition minute, pretty exposition heavy minutes uh, here. Our heroes take a brief hiatus to hang out in the caves and tell each other about what has to happen in the next stage of the movie. Mm. Namely that uh, (laughs) Tron needs to get to that IO tower in the distance to talk to his user. Um, Which, unfortunately, I don't think is a sentence that really clears much up for the audience. (laughs) But we know that they have to get to that red beam in the distance and it looks pretty far away across a bunch of the maze and Mm. uh then they notice something is in the cave with them and ram gets pretty dang excited about the whole thing (laughs) so now with the cave ram is a i think he's an interesting character yeah because i i i have to wonder if i mean the the actor uh dan shore yeah I, i have to imagine he's making a lot of choices acting wise Based on, yeah. uh, you know, he just knows he's a program, you know, in a computer system. So I feel yeah. like it's not that he's acting robotic, but he's definitely acting like a, a very simple, like, you know, uh, 
if he if he sees something he reacts to it like very simplistically though like uh, yeah 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 when when Flynn says like oh let's go meet up with the the MCP he uh, Ram is just like excuse me like yeah what, what whatever do you mean <laughs> that kind of reaction yeah 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 if he's startled he's like what you know and if he finds something funny he's like ah, ha, ha, ha. you know like he's a very he's very very clear very clear emotive responses from him yeah i i didn't remember from the film if they explain what exactly what kind of program he is because i remember earlier in the film there's like an accountant accounting program this that's not that's him, right. is it no, Crom Crom was the accounting program. Right. Ram is an actuarial program. Okay, <laughs> pretty similar. Not not yeah. yeah, a little similar. But he's mm-hmm. yeah, he's more of a life insurance program, which is uh, kind of cool. And we were talking in a previous minute that they wish they'd done more with it because the actuarial tables are basically death predictors, right? Mm-hmm. It's like what, giving the data. How long do you think you'll live? And that's where insurance companies based all their their predictions off of but you can also use it to predict like the death the ebb and flow of deaths in uh, entire populations like the upcoming baby boomer wave of death that we're about to experience kind of oh, thing oh god yeah wow right uh, and, um, <laughs> that's, but so but then wouldn't it be cool if ram could tell when any program is going to die or something like that or, or, like or if even if could... yeah or or if flynn said oh we have to go face off with the mcp and um Ram said something like, "Oh, we only have a twenty-seven percent chance of succeeding in that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's more likely yeah. that you'll die from, you know, getting electrocuted or something." Yeah, he could be the uh, almost the C three PO or the Spock or something yeah. like that. It's I, like, well, I the wonder odds if they, against that. Yeah, I wonder if they uh, went away from that for that reason. They didn't want him to be compared to anything like that. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. I imagine it probably was because at that point. Uh, yeah, Star Trek the motion picture was 1981, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Empire had just come out or was about to come out. I forget the year that Empire came out, but yeah, that, that was really close around those two things. So they probably, they, it's like they didn't really know what to do with Ram because he's sort of comic relief, but yeah. he's not he's not all the way comic relief, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's interesting. I like him. I like him as a character. He's pretty cool. Yeah, he's in more of the the movie than. I think you think of, you know? <laughs> yeah. For yeah, a minor like, oh, character. There. Yeah, for sure, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we open with an extreme close-up of Bruce Block like Bruce Boxleitner's face rising into the camera as everyone grunts and wheezes from the climb in the background. And uh, we get this really... I love Jeff's, Jeff Bridges' noises in these, mm-hmm. uh, in these minutes. We get a nice high-pritched whee from, uh, from Jeff Bridges in the background. <laughs> And then this this whispered yeah from Bruce Boxleitner, which is I don't know slightly slightly erotic, I think. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that was intentional. Well, I also have to imagine they they aren't seeing what we're seeing. How, yeah. However, they're they're filming it. They didn't show them a even a maybe they shoot, showed them a drawing, but yeah. uh, other than that, they they're just kind of react. You know, they're having to do a lot of reacting to nothing. Yeah, and when you get into the weeds like we're doing here, you can really see that scene by scene that all three actors, when they have to react to something at the same time, mm-hmm. A, they were shot separately, yeah. so they could be composited together. If there's a few feet of distance between them, that was usually the case. So maybe even on different days, 
you know, they've been told, oh, that's something over there. So the direction can change on the day, but you can see it a lot. Yeah. One of them will be like, that's interesting. And one of them will be like, what's that? And the other one will be like, you know, <laughs> slightly horrified or something. And they're not quite on the same page. They're all reacting, but they're not quite on the same page. And that, that happens I, here too. Um, I don't know if you, you heard about that movie, um, Doolittle. Yeah. With Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. So I so that is an uh, another it, it's funny that, you know, you look at a movie like Tron and it's like, yeah, the, Tron was a predecessor for Doolittle because here's all yeah. these a lot that's happening um in that movie is, you know, CGI animals running around and everyone's being told where to look for different animal reactions. Yeah. And uh I had read somewhere that someone who worked on the movie like a you know, someone behind the scenes said that yeah. the director could not keep it straight where any of the animals were. He would No kidding. He would lose his mind and yell at someone and say, That that duck isn't there. The duck is over there. And they had it in their notes. The duck was where they thought it was. And the oh, director geez. just could not keep it straight. And so that's I mean, I, I just have not heard a lot of good things about Doolittle, so just, no, but it's just really funny that that's you know it's still happening today and and just almost worse because uh, yeah people people want to be so in charge of of something that they have no control over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. I think that's uh, you could that's like movie making in general. You could almost say right, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's uh, that's a because this whole yeah this whole movie was them on a black set emoting and reacting to absolutely nothing mm. and at the time that was unique yeah but uh yeah like these days that's almost like 50 percent of the blockbuster filmmaking that comes out is pretty standard on stages yeah <laughs> so, some actors whole careers were were made because they could react really well to nothing <laughs> yeah a tennis ball on a stick that's, they could go whoa look out yeah you know that's what i heard about um brendan fraser uh because he did oh, yeah. the mummy yeah, uh, and then they they just started putting like he won you know he was doing family friendly movies and it was a lot of reacting to a CGI animal, reacting right. to some pratfall that's not on screen. Just he could really react to nothing. Yeah, like what George of the Jungle and uh, yeah, yeah stuff. Like Looney that, Tunes back sure. in action. Oh, at Cool World was he in Cool World? <laughs> I don't think so. That no, was, that uh, wasn't him. Oh, that was Brad Pitt. That was Brad Pitt. Yeah. Okay, that's right. And Gabriel Byrne. Mm-hmm. Oof. Going back in the stacks for that one. That was uh... a. <laughs> one thing in the creator's commentary here, they do reflect on how in this sequence specifically, you can really see the flaws in the mm-hmm. uh, in the filmmaking process and the actors because it, it might be just because they're, they're instead of being against a black background, they're they're against like a turquoise background. And so you can you can really see like the pops and the glitches, dust and hair on the cells, changes in light tones. They'll get like suddenly bright gray and then back to dark gray, and mm-hmm. and the the outline around them is much more. Uh, it, it looks more green screeny, and because you can see the black outline around them. Yeah, where, especially yeah. if they if, if they move, they then there's a bit of blur, and the blur yeah. just ruins the outline. So. They can sort of they sort of they sort of cringe when they look at this, even though it was one of the most complicated sequences to film because you've got the the cave and there's little you know glittering glistening things you know pops of light on the edges of the polygons and the the reflections of the water and then well, the reflections I, I, of the water on the characters and all that. I feel like they were with the water. They were almost trying to like show off, you know. 
Yeah. They were like, look, you know, look at what we can do. Look at what we've yeah. done to this water. We made it look so fantastical. Yeah, so otherworldly. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a, a scene that seems to have a flex to it, right? Like it's mm-hmm. this is this is something that we can do. I'd concur with that for sure. Yeah. And uh, I think they, they, Yeah. No, with, with and within the context of the film, the the fact that there's like water in the uh, you know, in the cave, it's kind of like that Ram's reaction is strong, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He definitely is like, "Whoa." Yeah, that's his. Well, his his last yeah. line here bleeds into the next one, but he seems. Yeah, that's more in the next minute. I'm getting ahead of myself, yeah. but yeah, it's just really cool. <laughs> one thing that was interesting when they were talking about the flaws in this scene, the creators mm. talk about that at the start of the film, the goal was to have no differentiation between their skin tone and the color of their costume. Hmm. Like their hands and their face was supposed to be exactly the same costume as their uh, same color as their costume. Like it was all one skin, mm-hmm. but that wasn't working, so they had to change it. And changing it added like a hundred and twenty thousand frames or so to the effects process they were doing to, to separate wow. the hands and the face onto their own layer. So that's why the faces end up looking like high quality photocopies, while the skin looks like film kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting to know. There's all these different compromises that are coming to light doing the research here. That you're like, oh, they had to change that. They had to change that. Like, I don't know. I guess it's like that with most films. What ends up on the screen can be wildly different than what was idealized in the beginning of the production process. Is is there anything in any of those, uh, like the commentaries or any of that, where they talk about? how they came up with the visual for the, you know, looking out into the distance of the IO tower. Yeah, a little bit. Well, there's, there's, some, it, inci- there's some incidental stuff about it that I've kind of had to draw my own conclusions on. Because I wonder if, you know, if they were inspired by, like, it kind of has a labyrinth look to it, but yeah. it doesn't c- quite... It doesn't look like they, you know, like it's a maze. It just kind of, you know, it's just shapes in the distance. But yeah, but there seems yeah. to be some meaning to it. Yeah, and that's what. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that for sure with this with this uh, with this shot because we got a shot of the I.O. tower in the background, mm-hmm. looking a little bit like a section of the Sydney Opera House, kind of those scalloped, yeah. and the maze uh, or fissured plane or whatever leading to it is dotted with little bright lights here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the scallop silhouette of the tower has lights on the corner of it, like tall buildings do in real life to be clearer mm-hmm. to aerograph, which I guess is Sark's carrier and recognizers in this universe. I wonder mm-hmm. if there's any other flying vehicles. We get to see some in legacy, but I don't mm-hmm. see it. I don't think we get any others. And yeah, that's the thing. The grid or the maze or the canyons or whatever here are very random. I would have yeah. expected a more uniform appearance, but maybe this is a naturally occurring formation. Mm-hmm. It's they they talk about it in where we got, yeah, in the novel in the novelization. It goes into detail about the plane that they're looking at being abandoned, poorly oh. def- like it's poorly defined because it's abandoned and it's got a lower resolution than the game grid and the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so random and chaotic. Like they were trying to paint it as glitchy or messy or something like that. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, so it's like there's... 
like the planes were once teeming with programs, but they've been all conscripted or cleaned out by Sark and the MCP for recruitment and slavery and executions mm-hmm. and stuff. So there's nothing there left. So that's why it's it's not it's it looks a little haphazard. It doesn't look as uh as clean as the rest. Yeah, I I'm I'm kind of put to mind. I don't I don't think they would have been. Uh, I'm pretty sure this came out. Yeah, this came out before the. Uh, do you uh, Barbarella? No, Barbarella was before this. Barbarella, I think, was like yeah. '79. Yeah, and I I almost feel like there, there's a shot in Barbarella, right, where they look out across like the landscape. It kind of puts me to mind of that, but it's just not as you know. It's not like a maze. It's just kind of a, a wasteland, like you're saying. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think whatever they were going for didn't quite come across. Yeah. Yeah, and this scene, you look at this shot and you're like, mm, what's going on there? Instead of, mm-hmm. oh, I get it. So, But it's a lot to try to get across in one shot, right? So mm-hmm. I sort of, you know, it's a, it's a swing and a miss, but, you know, I think it's, with this movie, it's like 80% hits, 20% misses. So that's a yeah. pretty good pretty good ratio for a film as ambitious as this one. Uh, there, there is one thing that's right at the start of minute forty nine that I really enjoy, and it's um, you, the 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 footsteps. Yeah, you hear kind of as they're they're kind of stomping up to this ridge to look out, and and Ram is having trouble and kind of slipping. You can yeah. hear like these. Uh, it's it's they're almost like you know just boots on metal. But yeah, I think it really fits the the tone and the idea of where they are. Yeah. 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 Do you? Cause I was kind of thinking the opposite. I was kind of, well, not the opposite, <laughs> but I could sort of, it just sort of sounds like ambient sound from the set that made I, it into the movie kind of thing. Yeah, like they're, I, they're, they're, they're I did wonder around if, on like plywood structures. <laughs> I wondered if that was the case and they were trying to, you know, play it up to make it sound like it's purposeful. Yeah, yeah, I I imagine. I think that's exactly what happened. But I think for me it works. I I really like it. Yeah, it doesn't take me out of the film, but I'm like that doesn't sound to me like the sound that crystal stalactites would make. They yeah, I would think they would make kind of a, a twinkling chime effect, but instead we're getting this like thump thump squeak thump thump. Well, like I do, I, yeah, I kind of imagine it more as like uh not crystals but like metal. Like it's almost like Oh, okay. Um, like I mean, if you think of literally what's inside of a computer, yeah. Uh, but then, then you have like these are more or less like uh, figurative expressions of what is inside a computer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I I can dig that. I mean, it's all it's all jazz, right? Like, yeah. It's uh, yeah. Like, do you think that the cave walls are hollow? Oh God, uh, maybe. Maybe some of them. Huh. Yeah. That was yeah, the maybe. thing. I'm like, is it like a, you know, a polygon over a hollow core or are these like solid chunks of digital crystal or something like that? Like well, that and, changes. And uh, the way that you see Ram climbing up to join them, uh, there are like little footholds there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I even think that goes into what you're saying from the novelization about the, um, that this area was abandoned, but it used to have people here before. Sure. Like this was a spot where people would go. And so someone yeah. made little footholds and now no one's here, but the footholds still little are. ladder. Yeah. I never took that little ladder to be like 
evidence of previous inhabitants but when you say it like that i can i can it makes more sense for that to have been the case than for them to just be hey look a ladder that's just growing out of the wall <laughs> so <laughs> no i like that that makes sense it's it this there's a soundtrack choice here that's a little weird there's a there's an eerie rising tone when mm. uh, bruce boxleitner is looking out and I, i'm not sure if that's the intended effect but it's supposed to be it, it felt to me like it was a little creepy and I, I think they were trying to go for more wonder but but so yeah and then here we have bruce's face again taking up the whole screen and he's oh he smiles his face off at the sight of this io tower and i think <laughs> this is one of those shots like what you were talking about where i think it's pretty obvious that they're told what they're looking at and how they should react but it doesn't quite jibe because like he's smiling like he's seeing the world's biggest hot fudge sundae and he hasn't eaten for a week but mm. there's still like 50 miles to traverse to the tower and that's yeah. just to get to the to the information that they need to get to go to the next stage right? this is only you know one thing they have to do before they go fight the mcp so i don't know it just seems like his reaction's a little a little over the top like well, and I for... I have to wonder, you know, has Tron been to this IO tower before? Well, it sounds like he needs to go to an IO tower every time he wants to uh, communicate with his user Alan. Mm. So maybe not that specific one, but they need to go to one. I mean, this is sort of where the movie starts to lose its thread just a little bit. Mm. Is it sort of feels like he should need to go to a IO tower that is no longer controlled by the MCP so that he can talk yeah. to his user. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, why is it this huge journey? But Or yeah. maybe, maybe he's taking the long way. Maybe this is the IO tower that he usually goes to, but that when he's got permission, he can just transport there. Yeah. Like automatically, like... Uh, like a transporter in Star Trek or something. He doesn't need to actually walk or cycle to it. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good point. Maybe it's the camera aperture, but this close-up on Bruce makes him look like his eyes are pointing in different directions a little bit. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because the camera, like he's, his nose is touching the camera pretty much. Like this is a mm. really huge shot and it's 60 millimeters, so it's pretty wide angle, I think. Maybe it's having the unintended effect of making his eyes not look in quite the same directions. Kind of freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. uh, Ram asks, what is it? What do you see? And Tron scurries up onto the ledge of this tiny window in the cliff face of the mountain, looking out over the plains. Flynn says, watch it, watch it. And we get a wider shot of the window itself from the outside as Tron gets up into a crouch right on the lip of it before Flynn pokes his head up. And this is where you were saying we can still hear Ram clumping and squeaking his shoes to get up to the slope of the window. You know, I don't think it's the clumping. It's the squeaking of the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> like a sneaker on a gymnasium floor or something like that. That's kind of mm. maybe not what I was expecting from caves, but I don't uh, I don't know. It's, I'm glad they left it in, though. It's kind of funny. This is sort of a, a comedic moment from Ram. Mm. That's what I was talking about him being comedy relief, but not all the way, right? Mm -hmm. And then Flynn says, come on, you little bugger, come on, which is a little harsh because, I don't know, In uh, when I was growing up in a small town, my dad was uh, Scottish, 
and mm. he would always say like whenever the toaster broke he'd be like oh it's all buggered up or something which was you know i took it to me I, I thought it was like a polite way to swear like oh fudge or oh sugar or something mm-hmm. like that but i like when, um yeah. <laughs> i definitely well, thought it, uh that flynn said booger <laughs> Oh, booger! Did you? <laughs> Until I saw your, I see your notes. You know, obviously you you've written it out, but it's. I was like, he called him a booger. That's kind of funny. And then I see booger, and I'm like, huh, I don't know if that's if booger's funnier. <laughs> yeah, booger's funnier for sure. Yeah. Oh gosh, maybe that's what he said. I don't know, but it, I thought it was bugger because that was something that I was familiar with as a as a child. But I remember bugger for as differs wildly. Like in grade seven, we were talking about our morning routine to the class. And I mentioned that the toaster was all buggered up so I couldn't have toast. And you could have heard a pin drop in the classroom. <laughs> all the kids were like, <gasps> you know, and the teacher was like, where did you hear that word? And I'm like, oh, what is, no. I'm just like, what is going on right now? Like, what is happening? I thought this was, you know, but then he was trying to explain to me in, you know, how like buggery and sodomy. And he's trying to explain yeah. this to like a, to a seven, you know, a grade seven kid as a teacher and it was like such an awkward conversation <laughs> i was like oh my god so that's why in a in a in a in a rated g i think it's rated g gosh you know in a disney movie like this to have uh to have flynn say come on you little bugger i was a little surprised to see it in the film but yeah maybe he's saying booger and this is all moot well i also think uh the, there is like a weird context thing of like buggered I think means what you're you're saying, but I think just saying bugger yeah. has has become separate from if that is part of its origin, it's yeah. kind of separated from that. Yeah, yeah. I I think people think of it more as like connected to like bug somehow. Sure. Like like little gross bugs or something. Uh know. yeah. Like what is it that uh run DMC song, Mary Mary, why you buggin'? Uh-huh. Right, like mm-hmm. it, it's. So I think it's sort of, yeah. And and if you're gonna panic and freak out and bail, then you're like, oh, I'm bugging out. Yeah, I'm bugging out. You know, or if mm-hmm. you're if you're losing your mind over something, you're bugging out. So I think maybe mm-hmm. it's it's become part of this whole other milieu of uh, of word. So that's cool. Okay, I like that. <laughs> and uh, so we get to see and hear some new glistening sounds in the interior of the cave as the strings start to swell in the orchestra and we see a wider shot of them uh, the three of them in the tiny window in the side of the cliff it's a beautiful shot i want to climb these mountains they're so pastel and <laughs> 80s but they're like the soft beautiful airbrushed 80s you know not the cold pointy shoulder pad chrome 80s you know it's that mm. sort of warm pastel airbrush 80s it's a it's a beautiful shot that's a desktop shot right there with the three of them in the top (laughs) left so ram says look at that and flynn for some reason shouting says uh when do we pay our visit to the old uh master control huh Mm -hmm. and ram's like what (laughs) like you were saying what like there's just the three of us like you just heard the strangest idea in the world you know and i i can sort of dig that i don't know it's like one I can't think of an example, but like a rebel Nazi in World War II going, so, hey, when are we all going to go kill Hitler? And, you know, his fellow soldiers going, like, that's going to take some planning and ordinance. Like, what? What are you talking about? I would like to imagine that that scene exists in that movie, uh, Valkyrie. I've never seen that movie. Right, with Tom Cruise there. 
Right. Is that's what that's about, right? I think it's what that's about. But if, gosh, I think I saw it a long time ago. But I think I remember they get in touch with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the plan is in action, and the plan has been organized, but they just need somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise is a respected war hero who's like lost an eye or something so he's showing yeah. he's showing leanings of possibly being able to be into it so they contact him and sort of push him in that direction which is different than uh, than him coming up with it and people around him going yeah i'd like to see the inspiration for the plan for that, yeah. that movie and I, but i just really like flynn's response here because you know Ram's like, there's just three of us. And, and Flynn says, well, if you know anyone who's got an army for rent, that's fine. But my uh, user told me to go take that sucker out or I'm never getting out of here. I, I do like the, um, but my uh, user. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very much like anyone who's like in a time travel movie or anyone who's in any of these kinds of situations. They're like, oh, but my uh, friend, my, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I heard it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Um, I want Bruce, uh, Bruce here. Bruce Boxleitner is really doing his best blue steel here. He's like <laughs> gazing out over the plane. And I, I can really see how he's just transferred all his cowboy sheriff chops over to this role here because he was in a lot of westerns before this movie. Mm. And uh, But Dan Shore looks almost slightly stunned or a little drunk here. He's just kind of... What, he's kind of confused about what he's looking at. He's still, having, he's still having a really hard time believing that his buddies are talking about taking out what he sees as a, a minor god. I also think it it's one of those things where sometimes when there's a scene with like three actors, but you know two of them are having the dialogue, the third one doesn't always know what to do. Yeah, that's probably yeah, that's probably what's going on. So he's just kind of he just kind of checks out of their conversation. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, did I leave the oven on? You know, yeah. he's not. Yeah, he's <laughs> he not really, really does have that. Did I leave the oven on look? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, then Tron says, well, we can't get to the MCP without the help of my user. I have to get to that input output tower and communicate with him. And then he leaps back down into the cave again with those very clear thuds and bonks and squeaks of sneakers mm. and footwear on plywood boxes. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, even though he's already gone, Flynn is like, well, good, check in with Alan. Maybe he knows what's going on. Like he's telling Tron what to do or something, but Tron's already mm. left. Tron's off and running, which I like that. Like there's this sort of ladder of leadership. It's like Tron's mission, but Flynn just helps and Ram just happens to be there. It's kind of, it's still interesting to me that the movie's called Tron, but arguably it's not Tron's movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know how rare that is, but it feels pretty rare. Like if there's a bunch of movies out there where the the name of the film is kind of a, a secondary character in the movie, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I don't know I would <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking of um, uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, but he is the main character of that pretty clearly. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. should have it should have been a you know like a real buddy movie with him and Lando. Lando yeah. takes a while to show up, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a good call. That would have been a, a cooler movie to have them together already at the beginning. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I, re- I really enjoyed Solo, but I know I'm in the. Uh, I don't know if I'm in the minority, it's, but it's fun. I don't. It, it it didn't make as much money as they wanted, which is no, you know at this point they just if it doesn't make a billion they they cry over it. I don't know. I think they were on the right track though, because it was kind of like the Mandalorian, right? Like it was just a dirty story in that universe. Oh yeah. Where the fate yeah. of the universe didn't hang in the balance. It was just a dirty little story. And I think that's mm. what people want. I think people are kind of skywalkered out at this point. Or at least, I don't know, a faction of the fans are. I don't want to get into a whole Star Wars thing. But there's, well, a, lot, yeah. there's a lot to talk about like that. I, I think, yeah, so, Solo also does that interesting thing of connecting to the the cartoon, the shows that had, have been running. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I, the Mandalorian does some of that as well. Yeah. Uh, and somehow it's just, it is more successful in doing that. I, people seem to like it more. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I wish Solo had a good success because I'd love to see some sort of sequel to that. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think all of those, those actors were doing, you know, great jobs. Yeah, me too. And I think, uh, yeah, the casting of Childish Gambino... Mm-hmm. Right, I was just like, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Don, know, Donald Glover is—he's fantastic in pretty much everything I've seen him in. So it's—it's really—I uh, was a big fan of Community back when it was on. So that yeah. was really, I think, where a lot of people saw him for the first time, and it was like, yeah, this guy's good. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. And I watched. Did you see Atlanta? Uh, I only watched the first. Maybe the first half of the first season. Right. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I dropped off, but I I I keep meaning to go back and and uh, watch the rest of it. It's worth doing. It was a great. It was a great. Uh, it was a great show. Really bold, I thought. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, Tron dashes off into the cave as Flynn says, "Oh, what's that?" And it's a bit of a strange shot because we don't see what he's talking about. And but <laughs> no. but Ram is. <laughs> super down with whatever's going on in the cave because he's just like that is just but then he gets cut off by the end of the minute but he's Mm -hmm. entranced by what's happening over there which sort of takes us off to the end of the minute there but um i like to talk a little bit about the differences between the screenplay and the novel we we went over in the novel how it talks about how that section of the grid is supposed to be abandoned but the io tower is also described as a cluster of buildings a city reaching into the sky which is also not exactly what we get so i think and that's unfortunate because that would be really cool yeah right so i think this shot is one that didn't quite come together Mm -hmm. you know i think it looks great but it's still not super clear what we're looking at besides the uh the red beam and oh yeah and then in the screenplay there's a very strange conversation here that was cut but it doesn't make any sense like i'm glad they cut it but i don't know what it's doing there at the first place it's Hmm. when there's at the lip of the window ram asks asks flynn if he's remembered anything else about himself or what sector he's from and flynn lies he says oh yeah no i remember my home sector was called paramus P-E-R-A-M-U-S. And Ram tries to figure out what that could stand for. He's like, oh, Paramus, huh? I wonder, uh, probably means program, assistance, routine. Well, I don't know, something like that. Anyway, it must be a lovely place. And Flynn says, yeah, it grows on you. And then they just move on to the rest of the scene. 
I'm hmm. like, what's what's that about? Is that just a random lie to from Flynn, or was it a reference to something else that was cut, or maybe it was the name of the laser in an earlier draft? Yeah, like a Paramus. Oh. From from what I can find, I googled Paramus, and it looks like it was an ancient insectivore mammal that they found fossils oh. of or something. But I don't know. Who knows? Steven Lisberger, if you're listening, I'd love to know. <laughs> Get in touch. Yeah, I wonder if that was an earlier, like you're saying, an earlier draft, but where Ram, like, cared more about where Flynn came from? <laughs> yeah. It's just really weird. Like, did they think that, oh, it doesn't make sense for a computer program to not want to know every detail about someone? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you'd hmm. think that, because he's also an information-gathering program. That's what, like, actuarial programs want to know everything about you so they can do a more hmm. accurate prediction. So, yeah, maybe that's one of those things, too. Also, the I.O. tower in the distance is described as having a golden tower of light emanating from it. Not a red one, but, you know, whatever. That's just, I'm sure lots of colors changed over the course of the production. All right, well, I think that takes us up to the end of Minute 49. What do you think? Yeah. Right on. Do you want to... um well, we can go through that on the on the third minute. We can tell people where to find you on the uh, okay on the third minute there. Uh, unless you want to do that now, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, just go follow me on Twitter and Instagram at podcaster Andrew. That's enough Wonder. for now. Awesome. <laughs> and if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com dot uh, com or on Twitter at tronologically speaking or send us an email at tronologically speaking at gmail dot com or join us on Facebook at the tronologically speaking Tron minute by minute listeners page. Go to Pond Five if you want to get some cool music like we have at the beginning and the end of our show here. And again, special thanks to the Star Wars Minute. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, consider doing one yourself. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community in my experience. Do you want to try a little uh, end of line on three? Uh, yeah. One, two, three. End, end of, of line. line. Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> 